You may be seated. Last week, if you would have been in Scandinavia or in the Netherlands, on Thursday, you would not have gone to work. It was a bank holiday. Not here in America, not a federal holiday, but Thursday is an important day on the Christian calendar. That Thursday is called Ascension Thursday. That is what we are celebrating this Sunday, this seventh Sunday of Easter. We read out of the Gospel of John, Jesus' last words to His disciples before He goes to the cross. Last words are important, and Jesus is blessing His disciples. He is interceding for His disciples. He does four things when He blesses His disciples. Jesus' ascension procures for us four things. Khrushchev was talking to the Communist Party in the late 50s and early 60s, and he said, we sent Yuri Gagarin up to space, and he looked out, and he couldn't see God, therefore there is no God. They even made quaint posters with this cosmonaut and the Kremlin and written, it said, Boganyet, there is no God. But Jesus, in John 17, says, Father, glorify me with the glory that I had before the world began, and give this glory to my disciples. Any good student of the text would have realized that Khrushchev had read this passage wrong, and that, that Khrushchev's attack on the doctrine of the ascension was a misreading of this text. Christ returns to the Father, to where He'd been before anything else ever existed, there the sun goes. Christ's ascension secures four things for us. The first thing that He does is that He presents us to the Father. Jesus Christ, as the Son of Man, presents us to the Father. My father was brought up in an Orthodox uh, conservative Jewish home, and every year on, the year, uh, on Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement, they would celebrate that that thousands of years ago this high priest would go into the Holy of Holies with an ephod and 12 precious or semi, and semi-precious stones on it, each stone engraved with the name of one of the 12 tribes of Israel. And symbolically, that, that priest would bear the people of Israel to God, would present the people to God. The writer of Hebrews puts it this way. He says, he, he calls Jesus a greater high priest that when Christ had offered, in Hebrews 10, 12, when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for, for sin, He sat down at the right hand of God. And the writer of Hebrews contrasts that, that on the day of Yom Kippur, the, the high priest would stand to do his job, but this high priest sits because his job is already done. And he doesn't wear a linen ephod with just 12 names. No, Jesus bears our names engraved on His hands. It's reminiscent of Isaiah 49, 16, where Yahweh says of His people, Behold, I have engraven you on the palms of my hands. You are continually before me. Growing up in Spain, I had a little dog named Fuzzy, um, and I took him for a walk one day. He got in a fight with a German shepherd. 
He was a little bit smaller than the German Shepherd. And uh, I was only 14, so I didn't understand the, all the joys of dog ownership. Um, and I saw the fight. I thought the appropriate thing would be to reach in and stop that fight. So I reached in, and around sprung not the German Shepherd, but Fuzzy. And Fuzzy nabbed me on the forearm. To this day, I have four teeth marks from Fuzzy. Fuzzy has since passed away, but I still remember that dog. His name is engraved on my arms. <laughs> Your name, if you've trusted in Jesus Christ, is engraved on His hands, and He presents you to the Father. That's the first thing He does. The second thing that He does here in John 17 is that He is praying for you. The ascension guarantees that God, Jesus, is praying for you. Now, if you're at all like me, you probably need people praying for you. Um, and actually, more importantly, like, you should probably pray for my wife. She's married to me. She needs more prayers than, than I do. But we all love having people pray for us. If you're feeling unwell or if you're feeling sick or you need to pick me up, you always want someone praying for you. And you always want to like, ooh, I need that. He's, he's kind of like, you know, it's like my, my NFL, you know, fantasy league football of prayer. Who's, who's like my, my special team I need to pick? Who would you pick to pray for you? Jesus is already praying for you. You couldn't ask for anyone more to pray for you. The uh, writer Anna, Mar Anna Maria Matute was this, she, she, she wrote and she, she was once asked by a Protestant friend, uh, uh, and the Protestant said, well, why do you guys pray to Mary? And, and, he sa and she said, well, you know, in heaven, you know, who, who's boss, God or his mom? Um, she was obviously playing on some of the, the fact that you, you know, go to Mary, pray to her. We, we don't have to. We, go, we can cut out the middle man or the middle woman. Just go straight to Jesus. He's praying for you. He's rooting for you. Think about that. He is cheering you on from heaven. That is what the doctrine of ascension, and it's not just a throwaway. The reason why Scandinavians get the day off and people in Holland get the day off is because it is the linchpin that holds together Christ's death, burial, resurrection, and his session as reigning glorious king and priest in heaven. He prays for us. Charles Wesley put it this way in his hymn. He says, five bleeding wounds he bears received on Calvary. They pour effectual prayers. They strongly plead for me. The third thing that Jesus' ascension and prayer for us does is that He prepares a place for us. See, make it easy so you can remember four Ps. He presents us. He prays for us. He prepares a place for us. Keith Green, who was a Christian songwriter in the 1970s and early 80s, said, you know, whether it's metaphorically or literally, Christ, God, spent six days creating the universe. It might be six literal or non-literal days. It doesn't matter. But God's been spending at least 2,000 years preparing heaven for you. If not from eternity past, He's been preparing a place for you. In our funeral services, we read out of John where it says, in my Father's house there are many mansions. 
and I am going to prepare a place for you. And you know, I love that. Why, why, why do we save that just for funerals? We should, that's a belter. We should pull that out more often. It's, 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 a, it's a text we should read more often. Think about it this way. We, we think about, about heaven in analogous terms. We think about it because we, 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 we can only compare it to things that we have experience with, and most of us haven't been to heaven yet. Um, so we, we have to use analogies, and that's why even in the book of Revelation, it talks about the streets being paved with gold because we're doing analogy. What is our, some of our most precious things? Gold. And yet what we find most precious is what we use to asphalt with in heaven. Heaven is a monument to love gained. If you go down to Homestead um, here in, in Florida, you find this thing called Coral Castle. I'm not sure if anyone's ever been to Coral Castle, but it's actually a, a monument to love lost. There was a, a Latvian immigrant, Edward uh, Leedskalnen, who, who came down to, from Latvia, and on his 16th birthday, his bride stood him up right before he was supposed to step in front of the altar. So depressed, never married, he created the Coral Castle. It's actually not made out of coral, it's made out of oolite, but we won't get into the, into the, uh, into the, the geology of that. But he built this whole monument for 20 years to love lost. But heaven is not a monument to love lost. It is a monument to love gained. He prepares a place for us. Lastly, we'll take phone-in questions later. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Lastly, what Jesus does is that He propels us. He propels us. The Son ascends and the Son sends. The Son ascends and then sends. He has taken His royal seat as King of the universe. And I love that, this ascended Christ who is ruling and reigning and His kind session is running this universe. He sends us. And here's the thing, if that's His moment of glory, of becoming King, what happens? I, I, I'm, I'm a dual citizen. I have an American passport. But uh, after having lived in England for a couple years, my daughter was born over there. She got her British citizenship, and on her passport it says, it says, Her Majesty asked that you give Sophia entrance into wherever she's going. Um, but when Queen Elizabeth became queen, nations from the Commonwealth came and gave her presents. She received gifts. When Jesus Christ was crowned king on his ascension, he gave gifts. That's what Paul says in Ephesians 4. When he ascended on high, he took captivity captive, and he gave gifts. He gave some to be apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, in order to equip all the saints for the diaconia, all the saints for the ministry. Jesus gives gifts. He propels us in service. His ascension, Archbishop William Temple says, liberates Jesus, who was localized in time and place in first century Israel. He is now global by His Holy Spirit. And next Sunday, we will celebrate Pentecost. 
the giving of that gift of the ascended King, where Christ propels us in love and service to go and make disciples of all nations. Christ presents us. Christ prays for us. Christ prepares a place for us, but Christ propels us. But how does He propel us with the gift of His Holy Spirit? Robert Murray McShane put it this way, that Scottish minister, if I could hear Christ praying for me in the next room, I would not fear a million enemies. Yet distance makes no difference. He is praying for me. Jesus Christ fills you with courage. If you remember on that day of Pentecost, Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. That same Peter that, that less than 50-some days prior was scared of a little teenage servant girl and would not even name the, Christ, the name of Christ to her, now names the name of Christ to 3,000 pilgrims of Pentecost and boldly proclaims the gospel. Why? It's the gift of courage, the gift of evangelism, the gift of sharing the good news of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Christ propels us. In 1935, French Foreign Minister Pierre Laval met with Stalin, and the church, which has been propelled out by Christ, was under persecution by Stalin's regime. And the Pope had asked uh, Pierre Laval to ask on behalf of the persecuted Christians by the communist regime that, that Stalin would, would behave more favorably towards the Christians there. And Stalin said, the Pope? How many divisions has he got? Obviously, that was said sarcastically because he was saying, if the Pope doesn't have any power and any divisions, he can stuff it. Seventy years later, that atheist regime has crumbled. Just as 300 years after the ascension, when the part and parcel that every Roman citizen said was, Kaiser Curios, Caesar is Lord, by that 325 A.D., most Roman citizens are no longer saying Caesar is Lord. They're saying Christos, Curios. Christ is Lord because as Jesus prays for us, He propels us. Father, we thank You for the gift of the Son of Man who is seated at the right hand of the Father. Lord, we acknowledge that not only Scripture uh, and the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed teach that You ascended, but we recognize that Your ascension means that You intercede for us. So may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in Your sight, O Lord, my strength and our Redeemer. Amen.